Well, good morning. Uh, I think I have been coming to the North Central Campus about two times a year for 10 years. I love coming here and just love being a part of uh, the dynamic spiritual atmosphere in your chapels and hanging out with uh, everybody on campus. So I'm really glad to be here today. And uh, I just trust that uh, our time together will have some value for you and the Lord will do some work in our hearts that is uh, eternal. That's always what we pray for. And I know, uh, you know, speaking many, many times, I know that sometimes it can be words from my mouth to your ears, and I don't want that today. I want it to be something from the heart of God to your hearts. And uh, that's, what I, that's what I pray for. So if you have a Bible or a device, how many actually have a paper Bible with you? Whoa, look at that. <laughs> I don't know if there's a prize for that or what, but that's pretty good. That's uh, kind of rare, you know. The problem with, uh, with the devices is when, you, when you're speaking, and I was speaking at a church on Sunday uh, up in the Boston area, and I was telling some stories about our time in Russia, and I mentioned Lake Baikal. It's one of the seven wonders of the world. And I gave a couple facts, and I saw people like Googling. So, you know, if you want to look up scriptures on your device, it's okay, but please don't fact check me. <laughs> uh, I want to just read a passage of scripture from Psalms chapter 78. Verses 70 through 72. I wish uh, one of these times, like I'm heading toward retirement a couple years, and I don't think my wife Pat has ever been to campus, so I'm going to have to bring her. Because you, you, would, you would just adore this lady. I met her the night I got saved. Can you imagine that? Yeah, I went to the altar. Seriously, went to the, it, was, it was a revival among Amish and Mennonite young people. I, I grew up Old Order Amish, horse and buggy. You see some of them, you know, in Minnesota. And when I was 17, I went to this revival meeting, and uh, at the end of the service, I ran to the altar to get saved. And all these young people were gathered around praying for me, and it was quite an experience. And when I prayed through, I got up to go back to my seat, and seriously, seriously, right there, was this beautiful young lady. I had never met her before. That's right. My mind went from heavenly things to earthly things like, you know, that fast. I was 17 years old. And two nights later, we, we, had, we had our first date. But I met her the night I got saved. That was pretty amazing. So I always say to people, and today, when the altar call is given, come to the altar. And pray like crazy. And then when you get up to go back to your seat, do it with, like, full expectation. You never know what God has in store for you when you leave the altar. So here's the scripture. Listen, listen closely. This is, this is an amazing passage. It said, God chose David his servant and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. 
Here's what I want you to catch. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. So look at the two things here. Skillful hands and integrous heart. Skillful hands and integrous heart. So the skillful hands piece is about competency. And you're a student at North Central. This is an amazing school. Yay, yay, yay. Hoping that ups the honorarium a little. I'm not expecting an honorarium at all. Kidding. Uh, but it's skillful hands is about competency. Look at your hands. Just put it out there in front of you. You are here at North Central, and professors, visiting speakers, faculty, staff, local pastors are all pouring into you and giving you the training you need to have skillful hands. It has to do with, you can, you can achieve skill through training, education, mentoring, life experience, and a host of other things. There are competencies that you can learn that will enhance your effectiveness in service and leadership. So it's hands and heart. So the heart is a reference to character. Peter Drucker said, character in itself will not get the job done. You need skill. Character in itself will not get the job done, but without it, everything is lost. So hands and heart. Warren Wiersbe said, if God puts something in my hand without first doing something in my heart, my character will lag behind my achievement, and that is a sure way to ruin. So here you are, a student at North Central, learning skills, hand, but I pray that God is also doing something in your heart, which has to do with character. It's an interesting story when the Lord spoke to the prophet Samuel and said, how long are you going to grieve over Saul? First king of Israel. And then he said to him, I want you to go to the house of Jesse. Actually, he said, fill your horn with oil. I love that part. Fill your horn with oil. Go to the house of Jesse, and there you will anoint the new king to replace Saul. So Samuel obeyed and went to the house of Jesse, and the first person he met was Jesse's eldest son, a young man by the name of Eliab. And Eliab apparently was a handsome young man, and immediately Samuel thought, this is the guy. He's the next king of Israel. But the Lord said to Samuel, this is not the one. And Jesse proceeded to pass seven of his sons I can just see this. Okay, here's the next one, and then the next one. Seven of his sons by the prophet Samuel. And the Lord said, none of these are the one. And so Samuel looked at Jesse, and he said, is this all your sons? And just, you got to catch this in the reading of the scripture. Jesse said, no, there is one more, but he's out with the sheep. 
And then you go back to that passage where the Lord, where the, where the Bible says the Lord took David from the sheep pens. So he said, no, he's out uh, with the sheep. And Samuel said, we're not going to sit down until you bring him in. He did, and Samuel anointed him as the next king of Israel. What's interesting to me is that Jesse did not even think to include David in the lineup of his sons. Didn't even include him. Well, what this passage makes clear is that while man looks on the outside, God looks on the heart. So man looks at the hands, the skills, the looks, the education, the certificate, the degree, the training, the life experience. But when it is all said and done, God is looking on the heart. When God looks for leaders, he doesn't necessarily look for the tallest or the best looking or the best educated or the most articulate, articulate or the most charismatic among us. Ask yourself the question, why was it that while God was looking at David, Samuel was looking at the other sons? Because man looks on the outward appearance Verse 7, and God looks on the heart. So here's what I want to say to you this morning. Whatever else qualifies people for service and leadership, no one is qualified for greatness by God's standard until his or her heart is ready. Whatever else qualifies, and everything else is good, Whatever else qualifies people for leadership and service, no one is qualified for greatness by God's standard until his or her heart is right. I want to draw a contrast. Look at this. So Saul, the first king of Israel, here's what the Scripture says about him. As he stood among the people, he was head and shoulders taller than any of the others. Samuel said to them, do you see this man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. So I like to identify Saul as a head and shoulders man. He depended for his leadership. His leadership was characterized by a dependence on human wisdom and human strength. Head and shoulders. He was a head and shoulders man. David, on the other hand... 1 Kings 11.4 says his heart was fully devoted to the Lord, his God. David was a heart man. So there you have it again, head and shoulders, hand or heart. David was a heart man. His leadership was characterized by a dependence on God. He was a man after God's own heart. Here's what I believe the Lord is saying. I have found a man that cares about the things I care about. When I turn to the right, he turns to the right. And when I turn to the left, he turns with me. That's a man after God's own heart. So I trust and pray that while you're here at North Central preparing your hands for service and leadership, that God is also preparing your heart, bringing it to the place where when he turns to the right,
you turn to the right. When he turns to the left, you turn with him. Are you prepared to do that? Is that where your heart is? So it's not just about hands, it's also about heart. So I ask myself the question, what kind of heart is God looking for? What kind of heart is God looking for? Now, when I was jotting these thoughts down, I found that the heart is mentioned, I think, 946 times in the Scripture. So, you know, it's a little hard to get a three-point message out of that for you homiletics students, right? So I just have a few things that I want to challenge you with in terms of what kind of heart the Lord is looking for. It's not a simple question because of uh, the multiple times that heart is mentioned in Scripture. I think, uh, number one, the Bible talks about a circumcised heart. What does that mean, a circumcised heart? Here's what Paul said in Romans 2, 28 and 29. He said, a person is not a Jew because he is one outwardly. Nor is true circumcision something external and physical. Rather, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. And real circumcision is a matter of the heart. It is spiritual, not literal. So to have a circumcised heart means that the Holy Spirit's surgical knife has been applied to the carnal nature and the works and attitudes of the flesh have been sliced away. Now, um, I was born in a religious context where everything was external. There were rules for everything. And it bred in me some serious rebellion until I came in contact with a uh, with the love of Jesus and a Holy Spirit revival. But everything about my religious upbringing was external. You, you know, you could ha your sleeves had to be a certain length. Your hat brim had to be a certain breadth. Seriously, a certain breadth. You, you could have this and you couldn't have this. You could go there and you couldn't go there. You had to dress a certain way. We, we weren't allowed zippers when I grew up. Our pants had to have buttons on them instead of zippers. You know why? Because the European-German military, before my ancestors immigrated here, used zippers. And so, you know, we're not going to use zippers like that. Everything had rules and regulations. In fact, you know, the way it worked is we had communion twice a year in our, in our church. And every time communion came around, if you... If you weren't keeping all the rules, you got a visit from the deacon. And my sisters and I grew up, and we knew twice a year the deacon's buggy was going to come trotting up the driveway because my dad never could keep all the rules. That's what I grew up. That was my understanding of, of faith and religion, and I rebelled totally against it. And then I encountered Jesus through a Holy Spirit revival and I came to understand that it's not about what's outside, it's about what's in here. And when you really understand faith and how the Holy Spirit works, you, you can summarize it like this. If you get it right on the inside, it'll be right on the outside. 
If you get it right on the inside, it'll be right on the outside because following Jesus, true Christianity, is an inside-out religion. And this idea of a circumcised heart has to do with God doing something with our heart so that it expresses itself in our outward living. Notice when you study the New Testament, Jesus' sharpest rebukes were reserved for the religious crowd, not the sinners he encountered. He invited them to dinner. It was the religious crowd because their focus was outward appearance and external behavior. Galatians 4 contrasts the, works, uh, contrasts the works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit, and a circumcised heart will be characterized by the latter. So I'm not going to uh, spend time on these, but a pure heart. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite without guile, integrity, pure heart, a humble heart. Jesus is our example of humility. When being in the very nature of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. A willing heart. So I want to close with a few thoughts on this. A willing heart. Someone, I think it was Nick, said, we say yes to God. A willing heart says yes without even knowing what the question is to God. It's a posture we take. It's something that happens in our heart and we take a posture. Surrender your life to his guidance and pray for him to give you a new and a willing heart. Someone said it's hard to hear God's voice when you've already decided what you want him to say. <laughs> so some of you may have come to North Central or even this chapel this morning and, you know, you, you want to hear what God has to say, but you already have pretty much made up your mind. Maybe it's a career choice. Maybe it's a lifestyle, a life partner. But what if we got to the place where we would, with honest and open hands, say to Jesus, I have a willing heart. Whatever you speak to me, wherever you lead me. I was having dinner last night with friends who are facing changes in their life, but a little uncertain of what that will look like. And somewhere in the conversation, one of the two mentioned an open-handedness. Wow, what, what a place to be in our life. Whether you, know what your, whether you think you know what your future looks like or not, what a place to be where we can truly approach God and stand before Him with an open-handedness, a willing heart. Say yes before we know exactly what it is the Lord Jesus is asking of us. Incredible story in Matthew 19. young man came to Jesus and said, Teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? If you want eternal life, obey the commandments, Jesus said. 
This I have done, what do I still lack? And Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When this young man heard that, he went away sad because he had great wealth. So here it is. Coming to Jesus means you give up control of your life and you yield to him. A willing heart. What kept this young man from following Jesus? He was unwilling to give up his stuff. So whether stuff is material things or personal desires or a self-made agenda for your life, coming to Jesus means giving up our stuff. Sometimes we hold on to our stuff. And it keeps us from fully following Jesus. Following him means you give up control of your life and you yield to him. So hands, you can, you can learn skills and People can teach you and train you in life experience, and you, you can have a lot to offer with your hands. But what about the heart? That's, a, that's at the core. That's at the center. Again, Warren Wearsby said, if God puts something in my hands before he does something in my heart, that's a sure path to ruin and so I'd like for you to stand with me, and for just a moment, let's think about our, let's think about our hearts. When I talk about this, it has a kind of special meaning to me, because six years ago, I came back from a trip and went straight to the emergency room because I had a, an infected valve in my heart, and four or five days later, when they got the infection out, they laid me open and gave me a new heart valve. It's an artificial valve. It's a cow valve. People say to Pat, any lasting effects? She says, well, not other than once in a while I catch him grazing in the pasture. (laughs) Talking with a friend here this morning, heart issues. See, the scripture says above everything else. This is powerful. When the Bible says above everything else, well, make a list of everything else. I mean, just list your favorites. Above everything else, guard your heart. Because out of it flow all the issues of life. So you miss it with your heart, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it somewhere. Oh, you might make it through but you're not going to be you're not going to realize God's best. So I hope I hope this is not just a moment and a response, but I hope it's something that sticks with you. What I said at the beginning, it's not words from my mouth to your ears. I hope it's something from God's heart to your heart. Think about this heart matter. Read the scripture, keep your antennas up. See what the Bible says about your heart, and then above everything else, guard your heart. Make sure it's right, because if you get that right, everything else 
pretty well going to be all right. It's going to affect all the issues of your life. So if you want to come join me here, I want to pray a prayer for you. If you want to stay where you are, that's okay too. But I'd invite you to come. So, Lord, I pray today that uh, you would spiritually open our chest and where it's needed, do surgery on our hearts. Make it right, Lord. Help us to have a pure heart, a circumcised heart, a willing heart, a steadfast heart. Turn our hearts toward you. Give us, give us, make us, make us like David, a man after God's own heart, a woman after God's own heart. Help us to turn away from dependence on our head and our shoulders, human wisdom, human strength, and just have this heart for you. Where we need surgery, Lord, perform it. Turn our hearts toward Jesus so that we can be all that you want us to be and you can do through our hands all that you want to do. We commit our hearts to you.